Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be covering Chapter 4 of Mysteries of Creation. We're on Episode 682. The title of the chapter is Who is the Creator? For those of you who want to read along, we are on pages 35 through 46 of Mysteries of Creation. I will post a link to the description for you to read along if you you so choose in the description of the podcast. Let's dedicate the program and then we'll get into the reading. O God, the Eternal Father, we come to thee in the name of the Messiah, Yeshua, our Redeemer, even Jesus Christ. We thank thee, Father, for creating a plan of salvation to allow us to come into this fallen world that we may learn through the experiences of life that we may gain a greater understanding of our lives and of thee and thy ways and that we Though dirty from the stain of this world, through the redeeming atonement of Jesus Christ, may become clean and pure as the driven snow, that our sins and transgressions would be forgiven, that we might come back into thy presence and gain eternal light and wisdom. We love thee, Father, for the greatness that you are. Though we do not understand all things, you understand all things, and we trust in thy ways. And though we see through a glass darkly, you see clearly the way of our lives, and you direct us that we may become your servants, or that we may grow in wisdom and knowledge through the experiences of life. Father, I'd like to thank Thee for giving me the opportunity to share what You have shared with me on this program, that those who have ears to hear might hear the words that come from my mouth and consider and ponder the things that I talk about, that they may understand who you are more fully than what they do now. I ask thee, Father, to forgive me of my sins and transgressions and to forgive us of our sins and transgressions that we may have thy Holy Spirit to be with us. That we may receive inspiration and revelation to come closer to thee and understand 
both your ways and the path of our lives. We love thee, Father, and we say these things in the name of our Messiah, Yeshua, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Everyone thinks he knows who created heaven and earth, but it really isn't that easy to understand after reading the scriptures. There are many contradictions that present a multitude of problems. The main issue being, was it God or Jesus that created the earth? God is the creator. In the fifth verse of the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, it reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Bereshit, or Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. This passage of scripture is one of the simplest and most direct statements of the Bible. It should leave little doubt as to its meaning. Nearly every verse in the first chapter of Genesis begins with, And God created. And God made. And God said. Other passages throughout the Bible verify this statement. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Psalms chapter 19, verse 1. God, the heavens are thine, the earth is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them. Psalms chapter 89, verse 8. O my God, of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. Psalm chapter 102, verse 25. Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. We're on page 36 for those of you who are following along at 8%. Hearken unto me, O Jacob, or Yaakov, and Israel, my called. I am he, I am the first, I also am the last. Mine hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my hand hath spanned the heavens. Yeshiahu or Isaiah chapter 48 verse 12 and 13. By the way, if I know the Hebrew word, I use the Hebrew word, but I use the English too. So if you're wondering why I say Yeshua, that's the name of Jesus when he was alive in his Hebrew word, the, the Hebrew name of Jesus. Uh, Yeshiahu is Isaiah. I don't know them all, but I'm trying to learn. I learn them throughout the years, throughout the study, studying that I do. Anyway, continuing on. And thou, Lord, or thou, Yehovah, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the world, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but unto us there is but one God, 
and Father of, of whom all things. 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. In the Book of Mormon and the Pearl of Great Price, also convey the doctrine that God, that the, the Father is the creator of heaven and earth. And the king said, Is God that great spirit that brought forth our fathers out of the land of Jerusalem? And Aaron said unto him, Yea, he is that great spirit. And he created all things in heaven and in earth. Believest thou this? And he said, Yea, I believe that the great spirit created all things. And I desire that ye should tell me concerning all these things, and I will believe thy words. Alma, chapter 22, verses 9 through 11. And I, God, called the dry earth, uh, dry land earth, and and the gathering together of the waters called I the sea. And I, God, saw that all things which I had made were good. Moses chapter 2, verse 10. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, uh, Moses is the, inst- uh, the book of Moses is the inspired translation or the inspired revision or revelation of Bereshit or Genesis. So basically, Joseph Smith sat down with his prophetic gift, and he went through the first book of the Bible, Bereshit, or Genesis, in depth, and um, he received revelation to uh, correct or add to or take away from the text that um, had been corrupted throughout the ages. And I know in Devarim or Deuteronomy it says not to add to or take away from the Torah, but people had added to it. Um, Just going off on a small tangent, when King Josiah found, uh, his his high priest found the, the scroll of the Torah in the temple, which they had lost. Um, he sat down with the council of elders and he added many vain and foolish things to the Torah and to Genesis and to Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And they, they added things that should never have been added. They added many laws that were vain and foolish that were not from God, that they were from the mind of a young 20-year-old man, King Josiah, and his foolish elders, his foolish high priests. And, you know, it's sad that the victor gets to write the history. So he wrote himself into the history as one of the greatest kings of all Israel. But the truth or the reality of what happened, I don't even know what words to describe his pride and arrogance. 
at thinking that he could change the word of God and that throughout the ages, um, people have accepted the word of God that, that never was the word of God. You know, Jesus Christ came to represent God and to teach God on the earth, and he taught the scriptures, the true Torah. And he couldn't change the law that had been changed by Josiah because they would have killed him right off. So he taught the higher law, which really is just what the Torah was. Like this whole thing about you shouldn't sleep in the same bed as your wife when she's menstruating or that she's somehow unclean. That is That comes from the mind of a 20-year-old immature man who had all the power in his kingdom. He's a king. Or why a 20-year-old man should ever be king of anything, I will never know. But it happened in history, and it is the way it was. But, or, you know, you should stone your... your um, your children for being rebellious. Oh, you should just kill, kill them. You kill your children. Like if there's a whole bunch of stuff in the the Old Testament that is just a lie. When people consider it the word of God, it is not, and it makes me sad. It makes me sad that so many people just accept the lie. Because some rabbi or some teacher teaches it to them a certain way. When Jesus said, um, There shall be many in that day who come to me, saying, Lord, Lord, have not we done many great works in thy name? And he shall say, Depart from me, I never knew you. The true translation of that scripture should have been, Depart from me, you never knew me. And what do I mean by that? These individuals who did many great works in his name, oh, and they love Jesus, they love him so much, but they never, ever go to God to find out God's thoughts through revelation, God's interpretation of scripture. And by the way, he's the only one who has the right to interpret scripture. And if you want to know the truth, you must do as James chapter 1 verse 5 suggests, which is if you lack wisdom, ask God and he will give it to you. He will give it to you. That is called revelation. If God speaks word to you and you get a confirmation of the Holy Spirit that this is a correct word of God, you are a prophet. God would, according to Moses, that all of his children were prophets. But the majority of the population of the religious world will follow a leader, even though those leaders are truly, truly blind guides. They knew about Jesus Christ and they knew about their studies and about what Gimliel said or what, he, you know, what some theologian said. 
some interpretations, some commentary. And it's all interesting to find out what people think. But they never went to God to find out the truth. They never went to God to find out the truth. And because of that, they are damned in their progression. And I'll say this one last thing before I go back into the reading and find something else to have a tangent on. I think it's DNC section 76, 76, and it talks about who are in the different kingdoms of resurrection. And by the way, it drives me insane with this idea that there's separate, separate kingdoms. The resurrection of those who become celestial beings is a type of resurrection. The resurrection of the telestial or the terrestrial, they are types of resurrection. There are resurrections below that as well. The resurrection of the wicked. But these are levels of resurrection. They're not some separate segregated kingdom, although people who are um, given a, are, who achieve a higher level of resurrection, there's things that they can do that somebody who is in a lesser form of resurrection cannot do. But continuing, when Jesus Christ tells Joseph Smith, about the different type of people that are in different resurrected bodies. Those who believe and they follow after a man, they are terrestrial, their second level resurrection. In the list of people that it gives an example of who they follow is Jesus Christ. Why is Jesus Christ in that group of people? They are they who follow after a man. And Jesus Christ, even though he is the redeemer and savior of the world, they follow after him, but they don't receive a higher resurrection. Why is that? Because they never went to God, the father, to find out the truth of the doctrine that Jesus Christ was trying to teach. They logic their way through the scriptures And you know what? Maybe their logic is good. Maybe they're almost spot on. But the fact that they had to trust in their own mind or in the flesh of others, the mind of others, to come to a conclusion without revelation from God, meaning they never went to God to find out the truth, to ask him truth, to get revelation for themselves, to know God personally, Those people who never did those things, even though they follow Jesus Christ or Moses or anyone else, there is a curse. Cursed are all they who trust in the flesh. All those people who hold the Bible up and they say, this is the word of God. Now this has the word of God in it, but it was written by men. And there are many things, and I don't care if it's the Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, the Urantia book, the Dead Sea Scrolls. If you place your complete trust 
in the word of man, because remember, flesh wrote that those things down. Without going to God, then you are placing your trust in the flesh. And it says, do not do that. Do not place your trust in a friend or in the flesh, the flesh of your mind or the flesh of others. God wants you to become like a little child and go to him and ask him questions and get answers from him. He is your father. He is your divine father and he knows the end from the beginning. And he loves you with a love that I cannot utter. It's ineffable. Words, there are no words to describe how powerful God's love is for us. And I don't know why. Because when I look at history and I look at how people have treated other people, it, it disgusts me. When I see how people treat other people in our modern society, it disgusts me. And somehow, all of us misfit, wicked fools are all God's children. And for some reason, he loves us beyond, beyond words, beyond measurement. I wish that you could understand how powerful his love is for us. I know because I've been in his presence. I have felt that love several times in my life. And knowing what it's like to be in his presence, it is difficult to go on to remain in the flesh. Because after being in his presence, all you want to do is be in his presence. And the time that has elapsed since since those things have happened for me have made it easier to bear. And the fact that I have a, a wife and children who love me to death, and I love them to death, that makes me want to stay here, you know, because I want to be with them. But, but those who go to God, Jesus will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And part of the reason he says that is because they got to know him. Not about him. They went to him. They went to the Father. They got revelation. 
they were true disciples. They were not sheep herders who found out, like, logic their way to God. They found out the truth, and they followed God. They went after God. They wanted to know God. So they did as James chapter 1 verse 5 suggests. They went to him and they asked like a little child, believing as a little child, and they bugged God until he answered them. And they got to know him. It's like going to the gym. You want to get strong? You got to start somewhere. Lifting weights. You have to do it repetitiously. You have to do it faithfully. And in time, your body will become stronger. If you want to get to know God, you have to do the same type of thing. You have to go to God in repetition and ask and ask and ask. And you know what? I asked from 1997 until 2003 what it meant to have your calling and election made sure before God revealed to me the truth of that. By his own mouth. In our day and age, we want instant gratification. But if we can be patient and persistent, in time God will reveal to us all things. We will understand things at a deeper level than we ever would have on our own logic. By our own logic. And we will not be told, depart from me, you never knew me. Because we went and we found out who God was. See, I can teach you all the things that God has has shared with me. But what I want you to do is to have a personal relationship with God and go to God yourself. That you might know him. Continuing on. And on the seventh day, I, Jehovah, ended my work. Well, actually, it says I, God. So I, Elohim. <laughs> and on the seventh day, I, God, ended my work. And all things which I had made, and I rested on the seventh day from all my work. And all things which I had made were finished. And I, God, saw that they were good. Moses chapter 3, verse 2. We're at, uh, on page 37 at 37. I'm sorry. We're on page 37 for those of you who are reading along at 17%. From the Doctrine and Covenants, the following passages indicate that the Father created the mansions of heaven. Quote, 
For he who is faithful and wise in time is accounted worthy to inherit the mansions prepared for him of my father. Doctrine and Covenants, section 72, verse 4. There are other quotations which indicate that the Savior created the mansions, but that the Father created the house or kingdom. John chapter 14, verse 2. Also see Doctrine and Covenants, section 106, verse 8, and section 98, verse 18. Joseph Smith was very clear in expressing who created the earth. The head God, then who's that? That's Adam, amen. The head God organized the heavens and the earth. I defy the word, the world to refute me. Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. Actually, that's not true because he's the head God for this earth. It wouldn't be Adam, amen. The head God organized the heavens and the earth. I defy the world to refute me. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 372. Brigham Young also emphasized the fact that God the Father was the creator of this earth. Quote, He is our Heavenly Father. He is also our God and the maker and and upholder of all things in heaven and on earth. He sends forth his counsels and extends his providences to all living. He is the supreme uh, controller of the universe. He is the father of us all, is above all, through all and in you all. He knoweth all things pertaining to this earth, and he knows all things pertaining to millions of earths like this. Like this, Journal of Discourses, Volume 11, page 41. No element that we see, no part of the earth, no part or portion of the starry heavens, or of the, the deep above or below, but what is God's creation? He organized it. Do we realize this, that every element that now is in existence, that he, that we have any knowledge of, that we can conceive of, is organized by our, our Father in heaven and in his posterity? I'm sorry. And is his property? Sorry, I don't even know where I got that from. And is his property... Ugh. It is his in time and in eternity. And we're on page 38. And real quick, well, we're at 26%. I'm just going to go off on a little tangent since this is my personal blog. And, you know, I like learning about these things, but I want you to also know where I'm coming from on, on things. Um, it's early in the morning. It's my second day off after my tour of duty. My tour of duty is four days, 14 hours a day of working with 10 hours off. I sleep in a truck. It's difficult to sleep in a truck. I do not get the rest that I need. And I have a hard time sleeping more than five or six hours anyway, period. Like, it's so stupid. I'm so tired. By the time I get off of work, 
like I I I'm dragging, but I'm able to to get the job done, you know, but I'm exhausted. But when I finally get home, I am done. I got home yesterday around I think it was eight in the morning. I was up for a little bit. I fell asleep on, sitting on the couch, sitting up on the couch. I finally went upstairs, fell asleep for a couple of hours upstairs on my bed, came back downstairs, tried to be awake with my family, fell asleep on the couch laying up. Then I laid down on the couch and I slept for a couple of hours. Um, and my daughters, when I was sleeping, they like got a pillow and some blankets. They're so cute. But I was exhausted, and then I got up, and I was able to stay up for a couple of hours, way past the time that I wanted to stay up. We watched Mulan last night, because my 17-year-old thought that um, that Eddie Murphy, who plays the dragon, is funny, I guess. So... Oh, man... We went to sleep. I went to sleep last night about midnight, I guess, and slept till four this morning. And I'm up now, but I'm still tired because it takes me a minute to recover. Um, All I've ever wanted to do is drive a truck. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a truck driver. There's some other things I wanted to do, but for the most part, I just wanted to drive a truck. I started driving when I was like six years old. Uh, The town that we lived in had 30 people in it, and my grandpa had this contraption that he made where he... I sat in the middle, and to the left of me was my grandpa, and he controlled the foot pedals and the hand controls... And I steered it. That was my... <laughs> I it, Like, there's no... Like, it was like a reverse tri- trike, I guess. Two wheels in front and one wheel in back. The motor was in back. I don't even know how to describe what the heck this thing was. Like, I don't know where he got it from. But whatever. We had it. And it was fun. And uh, when I was 10 years old, Grandpa taught me how to drive this pickup truck. By the time I was 12 years old, I was driving it by myself without him in the vehicle, taking taking uh, trash down to the dump south of town. Once again, lived in a town with 30 people in it. The whole county had 850 people in it. And if you if you doubt that, just Wikipedia, Clark County, Idaho, and you will see that... Even the current numbers of the the population are, like, ridiculously small. Google, Wikipedia, whatever, Spencer, Idaho, that's where I'm from. That's where I lived. Wikipedia, Dubois, Idaho, that's where I went to school. In in elementary school, um, partly in elementary school, because I, I moved around a lot, but I always went back there because that's where my grandparents were, and they were my solid foundation when I was growing up. Even though I lived with my mom, sometimes my aunts and uncles, sometimes my dad, sometimes 
uh, youth homes and uh, different places that I was at when I was a kid, I always went back to my grandparents. Oh, and sometimes my other grandparents too, but it was always my mom's parents, and that's where they lived uh, in the summertime. <laughs> and in some winters, but anyway, but... Um, I don't know why I got off on that tangent, but it doesn't matter. So, um, oh yeah, I remember all I've ever wanted to be is a truck driver, you know, and the first time I drove a commercial vehicle, I was 16 years old. It was a potato fields in Idaho, harvesting potatoes. I was the only white guy who worked for that, uh, for my team except for my supervisor. I was the only one on the whole team who did not speak Spanish. And I was one of two who spoke English. My truck was a 1945 deuce and a half. That was a truck. That's how, and that's how I learned to drive a summer truck. I was given the keys and a flashlight around midnight. And I was told, open those cellar doors the potato sellers they're really long anyway go down there and the truck's over there and start it up and bring it out and i'd never drove a stick shift before so that was interesting but i did i did you know i learned and then i went to do some mechanics school so i could learn how to fix trucks and i did that because i wanted to own my own truck And then after decent mechanic school, I was a mechanic for a little bit, and then I was a truck driver. And I've always wanted to be a truck driver. But one of the things I did not understand about being a truck driver was how much my body would be beaten up by these trucks that I would drive. Now, if I was just starting out, the trucks that they have now, they're not as bad as the trucks that they had then, back in the 90s. And, like, think about this. Like, I wasn't driving brand-new trucks of the 90s. I was driving trucks from the 40s, 60s, 70s, 80s. In, late, in 98, I finally got a truck that was uh, the first time I ever got a truck that was new. I think actually 99 at a Freightliner Century, which was nice. But still, the, the trucks that they had back then were more rough riding. Like... I had a uh, a Freightliner cab over with this uh, sleeper on the back, a uh, super sleeper. Very short wheelbase, very hard riding. And then I was an oil field worker from 2008 to 2010 for two and a half years. Driving around a truck that had no suspension like it was a stiff arm suspension it hurt my body hurt so much driving that truck and I have arthritis in my whole body at least I feel like I have arthritis in my whole body I do know that I have arthritis because uh, of an MRI that starts at the base of my skull and goes all the way down to the tip of my tailbone. I've got um, bulged discs. 
I have degeneration in my discs. I have spurs, spikes, whatever. I've got all kinds of problems. So, and it all comes from my lifestyle of driving a semi truck. Now, I love God. And I love to learn about God and to know God and to have a personal relationship with him. And he has told me to be bold with my witness and teach the people. And I am trying to do that. I feel like I could probably do a better job, but this is what you get. But work, there's a principle that work is part of God's plan. And I have to work. And if I make good money on it, great. And if I don't, well, I'm going to work anyway. When I lived in Florida, I drove a truck and I uh, delivered uh, drilling equipment to different drill sites for directional drilling for fiber optics. And I helped deal with all of the the placing of equipment, um, like digging the ditches for the borehead. Like, I made $12 an hour, but I worked my butt off. And I didn't even care about the money. Of course, I was single back then. You know, I used to make $100,000 a year in the oil fields, but I was single. I didn't care. I worked to work. I liked the work. And I love my job now. But it beats me up hard. That that road that I drive on, it's rough, and I feel every every bump. And after 14 hours, my body hurts. And then combining the the hard sleep that I get, the hard or the lack of sleep, and the 14-hour days. By the time four days it comes up at the end of my my tour of duty, I am so exhausted. And even though I slept the majority of yesterday, <laughs> I'm still exhausted. But but. This is the time of peace. This is the time I can record before my kids get up. And so I'm I'm up doing this recording right now. So anyway, like I said, we're on page 38 and we're at 26%. The earth and its fullness are his and the heavens are his. The height and the depth, the length and the breadth are all all are his. Journal of Discourses, Volume 8, page 340. You and I have only one God to whom we are accountable, so we will let the rest alone and search after the one we do have to do with. Let us seek diligently after him, the very beginning, or the very being, 
who commenced this creation? And that was conference report, October 8th, 1854, page 32. And that was Brigham Young, by the way. And he had a very good understanding of who God is. Not a perfect understanding, but a very good understanding. Anyway, for more information from Brigham Young on the identity of the creator is in the following chapters, especially number 18. Okay, and we'll get to that. Heber C. Kimball supported the claim that God the Father helped the to organize this earth. Quote, every man that comes into this world is an independent being upon the same principles, principle that, that our God and our, I'm sorry, that our Father and our God is independent. Only he is independent to a greater degree, being further advanced in perfection he came here and helped to organize this earth. And having had an experience in organizing earths before he came here, he was capable and had every principle necessary to create this earth and fill it with, with inhabitants. Journal of Discourses, Volume 4, page 330, uh, 334. Let me just reveal to you something, if you don't know, if you don't know it already. In English, the word create does not mean to create out of thin air. It means to organize existing elements or to organize the spirits. So when Jesus Christ is creating, he is organizing the spirits into different rank and file and all of that, organizing people before the the um, this earth. So you can have a creator, and you can have an organizer of one thing, and you can have a, another creator who organizes something else, and they're both called creators. Anyway, Orson Pratt also indicated that that the Father is the creator. Quote. As our Father and God begat us, sons and daughters, so will we rise immortal, males and females, and beget children, and in our, our turn form and create worlds. Not the sun, I don't know what that means. And send forth our spirit children to inherit worlds, the same as we were sent here, and thus will the work Works of God Continued, Journal of Discourses, Volume 14, page 242. Okay, I have to I have to reveal some things here because like this stuff gets very confusing. And if you look at it through the carnal nature of man, you might think that there's some kind of celestial sex that's going on. That nothing could be further from the truth. There's nothing, nothing that even resembles mortal carnal sex in the creation of spirits. That is not a thing. And anybody who thinks so needs to get that crap out of their head because they are believing false doctrine. And remember the principle in 2 Thessalonians. 
All they who believe the lie receive strong delusion that they all might be damned because they did not love the truth. And I always add, they did not love the truth enough to go to God to get it. James chapter 1 verse 5. If you lack wisdom, go to God. Ask him. He'll give it to you. And I will reveal something that even Orson and Parley, probably Brigham Young, Heber C. Kimball, they, I don't know what they knew, but I don't think they knew what I know. God has revealed to me so many things in the spirit, in dreams, and face to face. Where I believe these men heard what Joseph Smith saw and they ran with it and they interpreted it and sometimes they got it wrong. And then they would teach and the people would gain a message but it wouldn't be a pure message. It would be a little bit altered. You know the telephone game? When I was younger, 20 years ago, and it's hard to believe it's been that long, as I was a truck driver back in the late 90s, maybe the early 2000s, God took me up in the spirit one night. And he showed me where the intelligence comes from and how the intelligence is eternal. I saw a vast cloud of light that was probably light years across. I, I it's hard to it's hard to measure distance and volume when when you're in the immensity of space. But there was a massive cloud of light, and we were moving very fast. And we came down into the light, and God said, look. And I looked, and I saw that this this cloud of light was made of a, up of individual spheres of light, like orbs of light. And God the Father said, look, these are the intelligence. And he said, look, and I saw, and I, I looked, and I saw a flash of light. And I saw two or, or I saw one orb become two orbs. And God said, when the spirit become, or when the intelligence becomes self-aware, the spirits separate the masculine and the feminine. They separate from the intelligence, and you have a male and a female spirit. Other spirits who have advanced help the the brand new spirits who are eternal because of uh, the eternal nature of the intelligence. They, um, well, there's a lot. There's so much to go into here. They're only eternal when the masculine and the feminine are sealed again by the Holy Spirit of promise. It reunites the intelligence 
in such a way that it regains its eternal nature. But while the spirits are separated, the masculine from the feminine, there is an aging process which eventually does end in spirit death. But when the intelligence, the spirits, the masculine and the feminine, they they get sealed back together by the Holy Spirit of promise, it actually corrects and brings you back into unison so that you're in what you were before in the intelligence you 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 have much more light and knowledge but you also have that eternal nature the man without the woman is does not ever have eternal nature the woman without the man does not ever have eternal nature. But that the individuals who assist the young intelligence or the young spirits, they are the mothers and fathers of those spirits, in a sense. And then that there are fathers and mothers above that point. And even we can look at Jesus Christ as being a father because we are adopted to him through the atonement. He paid for our sins and transgressions with the price of his own blood. And we become his children and he becomes our father. But Revelations chapter 1, and when Mary sees Jesus, he says... uh, you know, hold me not or touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go unto my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and to your Father. That's speaking of Father Ma- Michael Adam. And your my God and your God. That's speaking of Jehovah our Elohim. They're both gods. Revelations chapter 1, Jesus Christ hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, who is Jesus speaking of. I know that the different translations, whatever, who is this speaking of? It is correct to say God and his Father. Adam is our God and our father and that is the man Michael and Jehovah our Elohim is his father yet Jesus Christ is our father as well because we become his through the law of adoption the same way that we became Michael's when he was a redeemer on an older earth and the same way that we become Jehovah's through the law of adoption because he was our redeemer on an older earth. It's hard to understand these things without revelation. And I do not believe that Orson Pratt or Parley, Parley Pratt or Heber C. Kimball or 
Brigham Young fully understood these things. We're on page 39 at uh, 35%. And by the way, I'm probably going to have to do multiple episodes because I just keep talking. Because I And you know what? For those of you who already know this stuff, be, you know, whatever. Oh, excuse me. I'm glad you know it. But um, I, sometimes I'm prompted to talk because somebody needs to be reminded. Sometimes I'm prompted to talk because somebody has never heard these things before. And I don't know why. But apparently somebody needs to hear these things, so I'm talking. Anywhere we're on page 39 for those of you who are following along. Once again, the link is in the description of the podcast where you can find the, uh, the reading so you can read along or read it on your own. Also from a doctrinal exposition by the First Presidency in the 12, it states, quote, The scriptures plainly and repeatedly affirm that God is the creator of the, hev- of the earth and the heavens, and all things that in them are, in the sense so expressed. The creator is the organizer. God created the earth as an organized sphere, but he certainly did not create in the sense of bringing into primal existence. The ultimate element... The ultimate elements of the materials of which the earth consists, for the elements are eternal, Doctrine and Covenants, section 93, verse 33. Articles of Faith by Talmadge, James E. Talmadge, page 466. These are very simple statements. They are easy to understand and convey the fact that God the Father is the Creator. However, as brought out in Chapter 8, Jehovah, the LDS Church's concept of the identity and roles of the Creator Jehovah and Jesus Christ began to change in the late 1880s. So for the past 100 years, It has been taught by the church leaders that Jesus Christ was the creator of this earth and that there are some confusing and conflicting scriptures that seemingly indicate that this is the case. This information will be considered in the next section. Jesus Christ is the creator. And by the way, when we get to that chapter on Jehovah, I'm going to lay some stuff out for you. And you can go read it for yourself if you'd like to. But there's some things. There's some things that have been changed. And I'm going to lay it out. We're going to read about it. And we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to show you the truth about who Jehovah is and the truth about who Jesus Christ is. Part of this chapter is a foundation being laid for that chapter, but that chapter's it'll you know we'll get to it in a little bit. Jesus Christ is the creator. To begin with, 
There appears to be a contradiction in Paul's statements when he wrote, But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we are in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. The next quotation is, God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. We're on page 40 at 44%. And to make all men see what is the, the fellowship of or the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9. And similar quotations from the Book of Mormon add to the confusion, such as, quote, Yea, I know that ye know, I know that ye know, that in the body he shall show himself unto those at Jerusalem, from whence we came, for it is expedient that he should be among them, for it behooveth the great Creator that he suffereth himself to become subject unto men in the flesh and die for all men. And suffereth himself to become subject unto men in the flesh and die for all men, that all men might be sub- become subject unto him. Second Nephi chapter 9 verse 5. And also that ye might know of the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of heaven and of earth, the creator of all things from the beginning, that ye might know of the signs of his coming to the intent that that ye might believe on his name. Helaman chapter 14, verse 12. Behold, I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I created the heavens and the earth and all things that in them are. I was with the Father from the beginning. I am in the Father and the Father in me, and in me hath the Father glorified his name. Third Nephi chapter 9, verse 16. Because of these and other similar scriptures, many of the Mormon writers have taken the position that Jesus Christ is the creator. For example, Bruce R. McConkie said, and Bruce R. McConkie was an apostle in the LDS church in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, I believe. Maybe 70s and 80s. I think he was in the 60s. Anyway, it doesn't matter. As far as man is concerned, all things center in Christ. He is the firstborn of the Father. 
by obedience and devotion to the truth, he attained that pinnacle of intelligence which ranked him as a god, as the Lord omnipotent, while yet in his pre-existent state, such as such... Actually, I just got to say, we're on page 41, by the way. Well, I'll just finish the quote. Um, while yet in his pre-existent state, as such he became under the, fa- under the Father, the creator of this earth and of worlds without number. And he was then chosen to work out the, the infinite and eternal atonement to come to this peculiar or particular earth as a literal son of the Father and put the whole plan of redemption salvation and exaltation in operation mormon doctrine page 129 i have to say something about this quote um oh my music just turned off that's weird i wonder why that happened anyway um i have to say something about this quote jesus christ became a god on an older earth when he was chosen to be God the witness of that earth. That's why he became a god. When this earth was created, he was chosen to become a redeemer because there is a progression of the gods. Jesus Christ did not, did not create worlds without numbers as the current Church of Jesus Christ so ignorantly teaches. I'm sorry it contradicts the early teachings of the church, for one, but it is it contradicts truth as well. Jesus Christ did not gain his exaltation until... He was resurrected. He was not a exalted God until he was resurrected. He helped organize the spirits who came into this world as part of his job as God the Redeemer. The first witness and apostle of the Father. But in the temple endowment, we know, and if Brigham Young got anything right, I'm sorry, the endowment's from Brigham Young, not Joseph Smith. But if Brigham Young got anything right, he got this right. The Elohim, not, not some guy named Elohim, because that's not a thing either. The council of the gods under the direction of God, the eternal father instructed Yehovah, our Elohim, our exalted one to take Michael to create this earth or to organize this earth. Michael 
goes with Jehovah and Jehovah or Jehovah, that he shows him how to organize this earth. And then Michael is the one who does the organizing under the direction and supervision of Jehovah our Elohim. Michael is the one who brought the animals and the plant life here. Michael is the one who organized this earth for the enjoyment and habitation of his spirit children, whom he had paid for on an older earth when he was a redeemer. When Jesus Christ paid for our sins and transgressions, We become his under the law of adoption, and he becomes both the father and the son. Michael had already uh, done that. He bought us with the price of his atonement on an older earth. Yes, we go from world to world. This is eternal lives. The doctrine of eternal lives, which is a mystery to the majority of the people in the LDS church. And I'd say a mystery to the majority of the people in fundamentalism or any of the other breakoffs that came out of the restoration in Nauvoo. But nevertheless, it is the truth. When this earth becomes part of the Shamaim or the heavens, it is written in the book of Revelation that John sees that God creates a new earth. He says a new heavens and a new earth, but this earth becomes a fire of sea and glass or a celestial exalted orb and joins in with the Shamaim and those who cannot abide in the glory of a celestial kingdom, they will go onto the new earth. And this earth will become a pre-existence for that earth. We all came from heaven. That heaven was once an earth that became a heaven. That earth exists still, and it has joined in with the Shamaim, or the heavens. And this earth was created for us to, to come upon. And on that world, Jesus Christ was God the witness, or the Holy Ghost, all the way up until the very end of the celestial time of that earth. And then he was, or he came onto the earth as a mortal man. As a witness of his father, and his redeemer, who was Michael and Jehovah. Jehovah was an Adam to that world, and Michael was the redeemer, and Jesus was the witness or the Holy Ghost. And he lived his life in his 
mortality on that world. He testified of the father and the son of that world, mainly, or, well, mainly God the Eternal and who he was, or who he is, because he still is. Jehovah, who is the God of that world, or God the Creator, the Father of that world, because Jehovah had been a Redeemer on an older earth, and he bought us, us, yes, us, two worlds back, with the price of his atonement. He was the Redeemer of an earlier earth, and we became his, his children through the law of adoption. And he was chosen to be an Adam to a world, and he organized that world, and his father showed him how to organize that world. That's how Jehovah was able to show Michael how to organize the world. But getting back to Jesus as God the uh, God the witness or the Holy Ghost, he gained a body through natural natural fashion to come onto an an earth, had a body, but he wasn't the redeemer. He was the witness come in the flesh. He eventually found out who he was and he was instructed to be the witness and to teach the people. Same as I am doing now. At the end of his life, he was put to death. He laid in the street for three days and three nights with his witness. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. He was not put in a tomb in that probation. He was raised in front of that earth for all to see. He was caught up in resurrection, though he had been dead for three days and three nights. And he was taken to his father, Jehovah, and his redeemer, Michael. And they returned, all three of them, in resurrection to an Adam and Diamond, and they went through the whole process of a world. When that earth became part of the Shamaim, and a new earth was created, Michael became the president of this earth as God the creator under the direction of of Yehovah our Elohim. At the end of Michael's time as being the father of this earth, he will become an Elohim or an exalted one. And I got something wrong earlier. Jesus Christ doesn't become an Elohim or an exalted one until he goes through the next probation where he is chosen to become an Adam to his spirit children so that they can receive bodies as his children. We are his 
children. He is our father through the law of adoption. So is Michael, because he paid for our sins on the cross, on a cross, through an atonement, and we became his, past tense, because he paid for our sins on an older earth and our transgressions on an older earth. Jehovah our Elohim, who was higher than Michael and Jesus both, he was a redeemer on an older earth. And he is an Elohim, which Michael is not yet, and Jesus Christ is not yet, and I am not yet. But in the next world, Michael will be our Elohim. He will show Jesus, or Yeshua, how to create an earth under the direction of God the Eternal and the counsel of the gods or the Elohim. Jesus will take upon himself the name of Adam to honor God the Eternal Father's name, Adam Amen. And he will take his wife Mary into that garden and she will become a Hava or an Eve. And another will be chosen as the first witness or apostle of the Father to be the redeemer of that world. And another will be chosen to become the second witness or apostle of the Father or the witness of the Father and the Son for that world, the Hillel ben Shakar, the bearer of light and truth. In Latin, you would call him Lucifer. Lucifer means light and truth. When our Lucifer rebelled, he fell from his position and became the accuser or the Hasatan, the Satan. See, Brigham Young kind of knew these things. I believe Joseph Smith knew these things. But whether or not they knew them or not, there is still still so much more for us to know. Even with all that, that they revealed, we still look look through the glass darkly. Joseph Smith is not the be-all, end-all of prophets. Joseph Smith said that if he were to teach all that God had revealed to him, that there were men on the stand behind him who would rise up to kill him. 
He couldn't teach it all. Guess what I can do? I'm not going to teach it all in this time period of my life, but I'm revealing more because God has revealed it to me. I have seen him face to face. I don't know how many times I have to, to say that for people to get it. I have seen him face to face and embraced him in the flesh. As I hugged my friend yesterday, my friend Blaine in Salt Lake City, when I was up there yesterday. Oh, by the way, (laughs) I don't know if you know this or not, but like yesterday when I was reading this quote, I was starting to fall asleep. So I just paused it, and I marked where I was, and I went back to sleep. And then I we got up, and we went to um, – I unpacked the van, and we went up to, to Salt Lake um, to visit my daughter, who is in a, uh, a facility. She's not in prison or anything, but she is um, – her biological dad – is in prison because he's a psychopath. Actually, I think he's a narcissist. He did really bad things. The guy is evil, pure evil. This is who Kim was married to before. And ever since my daughter was two before I became her father, Kim escaped that situation. And when she was three, I became her dad. And I've been the only dad that she knows. And she has a lot of the same characteristics that her biological father has. And we're trying to get her help. We're trying to get her help. For the last couple of years, she's kind of spiraled. And we've been doing all kinds of things to try to help her. And um, it got to the point where she was getting violent with, with me and with my wife and with the other kids. And... Um, She, the last time, uh, I'm sorry, we're getting into some tangents I don't, I've never talked about on this program. Some of my struggles, some of our struggles. But my other daughter's birthday was in January and we went out to this place that she wanted to eat and the 14-year-old daughter wanted the most expensive thing on the menu. And I was like, I'm not spending that much money on a meal. No. Nobody else is getting that. You're not getting that either. And she threw a fit. And she got angry. And it kind of built up until she, uh, till my three-year-old son at the time um, was walking, uh, like, went around the table and, like, went in between the 14-year-old and my wife and um, the 14-year-old, because 
the three-year-old touched her, hard-shoved the three-year-old for touching her because he was just trying to get to mom. He wanted to sit on mom's lap. He did nothing to her. And she was angry because I wouldn't pay for the most expensive meal at this restaurant for her. I was like, you can have all these other things, but you're not having that. In fact, I think that's the last time we went to that restaurant. We used to go a lot. Anyway, so I was, you know, we're all like, what the heck? 14-year-old daughter, who I will not name, who I've named in the past, but I'm not going to name her right now. And I was like, that's enough. You're done. Because she's just been escalating for quite a while. And I was like, I'm I'm done, Kim. I can't deal with this. Like, I don't. She's not gonna hurt my other kids. She's not gonna hurt you because she was. In fact, yesterday um, we were in family therapy, and um, the 14 year old said that she's afraid of of me and afraid of um, my 17 year old. And we're like, what the heck are you talking about? And I was thinking about it. She's, she basically is, um, she's not afraid of us, but we're opposition to her. We stop her from hurting the other kids and we stop her from hurting my wife. Both of us do. When I'm not here, the 17 year old boy, he stops her. He protects his mother and he protects the other kids. And he, like we, both of us, we don't put up with the 14-year-old going crazy and trying to hurt people. Anyway, um, so we went up to see her where she's staying up in the Salt Lake Valley, which we do every week. And, um, and afterwards, um, our friend and his wife, our friends, they were there as well. Like they were there when the whole incident happened that the, the one that was like the tipping point, but, um, anyway, I don't know why I have to talk about this stuff. Yeah. I'm going through struggles too. I'm going through some things and trying to, to ha- and you know what, it's funny, it, it's not funny, it's sad, but I don't know what else to say about it. Ever since the 14-year-old daughter has been gone out of the household, there's been no fighting in our household. There's been no commotions. My three youngest kids, the four-year-old, he's four now, not three. My eight-year-old and my 10-year-old, they are so ridiculous. When they're awake, they are giggling and laughing and screaming and chasing each other around the house and coloring and playing with their toys. And they are just 
you know, having a great old time. My 17-year-old, he's a teenager, so he's lazy as all get out, but he does a lot. He does a lot. He just has to be asked a thousand times. We call him the goat master because he throws hay to the goats. That's one of his jobs. He's our goat master. (laughs) Anyway, but um, we haven't had any problems in our household. And I don't know what to do about my daughter, my my 14-year-old, because... She is uh, has been diagnosed as a narcissist and I had a whole bunch of other things. But the narcissist is, for sure, she doesn't think that she has to change and she thinks that she is the greatest person. And, you know, any of you who have dealt with actual narcissists, you know how hard they are to deal with, um, especially when they're abusive and is there a narcissist that isn't abusive? I maybe I don't know. Something in her early childhood, seeing the things that were going on with her biological dad and and her mom, my wife. <clears throat> Screwed her up, but you know what's interesting? She has the same mannerisms that he has. She has the same... There's a lot of the same attitudes and actions that he had. She has them too. And it's sad because... And I'm, my wife does not want, want me talking about this, I'm sure, but um, a lot of the same ways that he was, she is, and she has to deal with complex post-traumatic stress disorder because of what she went through with him. And now the daughter's doing the same thing, but she's not as big as he was. She's not as strong as he was. She can't do as much because there is a check on her abuse. Because I have um, a 300 and something pound 17 year old boy who has Asperger's and is as sweet as, like, he's such a good-natured kid. He only has two emotions, happy and sad, and mostly he's happy. But he's going to protect his mom, and he's going to protect his brother and sisters. And when I'm home, I protect them as well. But my wife has is having to go through some of the things that she went through as 
victim with the 14-year-old. Though, like I said, there is a check on her power. There was no check on his power. The, the biological father, the ex-husband, he boarded up the windows and the doors. There was only one door in and out of their house. Um, he had complete control and complete power, and nobody knew what hell my wife was going through <clears throat> until he was finally caught when she tried to escape. And he actually confessed to everything. And uh, they were going through a trial, even though he had confessed, which is weird. And there was some kind of mistrial because of something that the uh, DA did, I guess, or that I'm not exactly sure. And Kim didn't want to have to go through another grand jury trial. So he pled out after he, like, he had already been convicted and they overturned his convicted and a conviction and made it into a, a mistrial because of something that happened during sentencing. And they were going to have Kim have to go back through this this horrible ordeal of of um, of testifying to what happened in front of uh, you know strangers on the jury. And just having to relive it. And like, as an abuse victim myself, I do not want to talk about the things that happened to me as a child, as a teenager. Even though I'm 46 years old now and those things happened so long ago, every time I talk about them, all it does is bring up intense emotions. So I can understand as fresh as what happened to my wife, as fresh as that is. I mean, we're looking at um, probably 14 years, or well, 13, 12 years ago. Yeah, 12, 13 years ago, whatever. Um. And going on for a couple of years. It wasn't just a, a short thing. Anyway, she didn't want to have to go through that with another grand jury. So they put him on probation. He was on an ankle monitor. He couldn't leave the county. He, had, he could have no contact for, I think it was like 17 years with Kim or the children. Because he, he abused them too. And... um And he was in jail for like a year, year and a half during everything, but he should have been in prison for 26 years to life, I think. I might be getting that wrong. It was something like that. I think actually it was worse than that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So anyway, he's out, and he marries this girl eventually and convinces her that Kim was just lying about everything and whatever and she's kind of slow anyway and uh, she has she had lost her leg in a four-wheeler accident when she was younger and so she's an amputee 
and she's a, a pretty, you know, good looking girl, but she is not very fast. Uh, like her cognitive abilities are kind of slow, partly because of the accident that she was in where she lost her leg. So she marries this monster. And he did the same things to her. That he did to to my wife. And he got caught. Same, Actually, he got way worse with her. And he's in prison now. But that's the biological father of my daughter, who is 14. Who I've been... Her dad... For 11 years. She'll be 15 here soon. I've been her dad for 11 years. And anyway, we were up with him. And why do I get into this? I have no idea. I have no clue other than to say, yeah, I'm in this world. In it. I'm in it. I've gone through some things. I am going through some things. And I am here with my wife. Helping her go, or like, heal and recover. And, and like, God brought me and my wife together. We were complete strangers. When he told both of us independently to marry each other. And finally came came to me and she's like, God told me to marry you. And I was like, I know. He told me to marry you as well. Which is interesting because, like, I've had uh, many women in the past who actually kind of knew me more than Kim did because we only knew each other on a chat web, uh, uh, a place where we, you know, chat on the interwebs. <laughs> and um, I'm not going to get into the whole story. I've gotten into it before, but... Um, basically God told me to call her and I, I had texted her some, uh, neither one of us were looking to get married either anyway, but, um, I'd called her and I told her, um, what God told me to tell her, which was answering all of the questions that she spent two hours on her knees asking God about two hours before I called her. So God tells me all this stuff and I'm like, okay, I'll call her and tell her. And so I did. And I was like, Hey, I've never talked to you any, uh, before, but this is Lazarus 1977, which was my chat name. I said, my name's Mark Lichtenwalter. And um, God has told me to call you and give you a message. And then I just started talking. And it was like the God was using my mouth to talk to her because I was like, I was just a mouth in the process, basically. He used me to speak to her. And the words that he said through me answered all of the questions that she had. And then I, I testified of the Father and the Son, who I have seen face to face, because that's what God told me to do, or that's what God did through my mouth. And um, the Holy Spirit got so strong that Kim felt like she 
wasn't even in her body anymore. It it was intense for her. And she said, um, whoever it is that I marry someday is going to be a great uh, person. Like, there's a lot of stuff. Anyway, so she gets off the phone with me. My phone breaks because uh, I got it wet during the phone call. I'm in Florida. I was at a resort. Um, I got out of the pool and called her. I had a flip phone. It broke, whatever. It took three days for it to work again. So um, after the phone call, God says, take her as your wife. And I said, I will do it if she tells me that you told her that I'm supposed to be her husband. Because in my mind, I've had these women come to me and tell me that have felt the Holy Spirit from me. So they fall in love with the, the Spirit, but they don't know me. They don't know who I am and my faults or anything. They just, they see me at church and they feel the Holy Spirit because I was a, a doctrine teacher, Sunday school teacher. And I've had a lot of women say that they got revelation that I was supposed to be their husband. So I said, God, if if she is supposed to be my wife, you have to let her, she has to come to me. Bargaining with God, I know, but this is, what, this is the way it works. This is the way it worked anyway. So she calls me three days later and she says, you're going to think I'm crazy, but God told me to ease your burden and bear you children. And I said, I know. God told me to take you as my wife. That was on um, June 1st of 2012. I was like, I guess we need to get to know each other then. So we started Skyping, which we'd never done. I'd never seen her in video chat. I'd never seen her in, in person. I We texted each other before that. May 28th, that was the first time I'd ever heard her voice. On June 30th, I flew up from Tampa to LaGuardia and from LaGuardia up to Vermont. And she picked me up and I came through the gate and I saw her and our two kids for the first time. The boy, (laughs) the boy, he was six and the girl was three. And 20 days later, after I'd met her family, Kim and I got married. Anyway, let me see if I can fix this music and see why it's doing what it's doing. Um, I'm just going to pause the recording and then we'll get back into the reading. I know, I don't know why I'm telling you guys this, but um, I once had a person who is a faithful listener to this, this podcast. He has been for years and years and years. 
he actually thanked me for going off onto the tangents because he said whenever I would do so, it was um, I would start talking about stuff that answered questions that he had that he didn't ask me. It's just stuff he was asking God. And like, I'd go off onto a tangent and I'd start talking about something and like God was answering a question that he had through my voice. Kind of like, well, kind of like what happened with um, my wife, me answering the questions or God answering the questions through, through me or through my voice. But, um, Anyway, I um, I'm gonna pause it and I'll be right back and uh, we'll get back into the reading. We are currently um, on page forty-one at fifty-six percent. All right, I got it figured out. I'm just gonna let it start from the beginning. Hopefully it doesn't um reset again but whatever oh there it goes i don't know what's going on here interesting hold on okay all right let's get back into the reading we are blessed with the knowledge that ours is not the only inhabited earth. Rather, Christ, acting under the direction of the Father, is the creator of worlds without number. Mormon Doctrine, page 112. And I would say that that is wrong. The office of a Christ organizes the er, uh, the, the spirit children of an earth. and And that's not even... So there are two messiahs for each earth. There's a messiah for the tribe of Judah, and there's a messiah for the tribe of Joseph. Messiah ben Judah is God the Redeemer. Messiah ben Joseph is, when he comes in mortality, God the Witness. Wow, it just it stopped doing it again. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I guess we'll just finish this without music, which is fine. But... Um, God the Redeemer organizes the spirits in his pre-mortal state before the before they come onto the earth. After he comes into mortality, God the Witness does the job of organizing the spirits before they come onto an earth. And this is the way it is done on each earth. Jesus Christ is not the organizers of the spirits on all the world, and he did not organize a world before this one. Michael organized this earth under the direction of Jehovah, who is our exalted one, or our mighty one, or our... Elohim, under the direction of the council of the Elohim, who is under the direction of God, the eternal father. This is something that the LDS church has lost 
And you know what? They have lost a lot of doctrine. They have changed a lot of things. And the current curriculum or the current correlated church, they don't know anything about it. They don't think their church has changed. The members of the church, it has changed a lot over the years. And it doesn't just have to do with uh, with the times. It has to do with doctrines. Which is why I do this program. Which is why I am in the 682nd episode of this program. Of this particular program. The podcast that I did before that got, that got hacked. Because they did not want this stuff to get out. It was complete. You can go see it. You type in the kingdom of God or nothing in iTunes and you'll find there was 490 episodes when it got hacked. And you can still see that there were episodes there. But if you try to listen to any of them, they don't exist. They were hacked. I don't know what kind of individual would do such a thing. Have you ever heard of a, a podcast being hacked for speaking the truth? For speaking things that they don't want you to know. I had too much. um, 500 and something thousand downloads. 490 episodes. So we're looking at. Coming close to 1200 episodes. In the last. Nine years. Because the first, um, when I I started the Kingdom of God or Nothing in January of 2014, which was shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon, and there was a prophecy about the Messiah Ben Joseph coming on the scene shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon, (laughs) that was made in 2006 by Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori who had seen the Messiah face to face. He was a he was a Jew who saw Jesus. And he was also given a, a vision of the Messiah Ben Joseph, who was on the earth according to him at that time, but had not he did not know who he was. but that God would show him who he was and that he would come on the scene shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon. And by the way, I found out about this in like June, August, September, June, July, August, September, sometime in that time period of 2014. So all this stuff plays out. And then God says, by the way, I told my servant, Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori, about you, and and I was like, what? And then I, you know, I found it through other means, uh, going on the internet and whatever. Anyway, but, um, so, uh, God told Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori that I would use social media and the internet to reach my people. In Isaiah, it talks about how my voice would not be heard in the streets. Meaning, I would not be like Jesus walking around in Jerusalem 
shouting from the streets. And, you know, I'm doing my job. And it also says that uh, that uh, my children, who kind of strangely enough you are, if you believe me, if you believe my witness, you are my child. And I'm a child of God. But I'm, I, basically it's Isaiah's way of saying I'm, I'm a leader for you in the last days. But my children will reject this message, which the majority of them have. Isaiah 49 talks all about this. But that I will, uh, I'll lament for one because nobody hears the words of my mouth. They won't listen. They won't learn. They won't accept my witness. <clears throat> Fine. Isaiah saw it. It will happen that way. But God will give me another people. And God has given me another people. But I'm still required to preach to those people of Ephraim who are part of the fallen and rejected restoration churches. And so I do. And I talk about how Jesus Christ did not organize worlds without number. I'm sorry, Bruce McConkey, who is not a prophet or an apostle, had no fruit of being a prophet who prophesies, a seer who sees visions, or a revelator who gives revelation. No fruit of those offices or titles that they claim as a collective in the in the Q15 they don't have the fruit of being who they say they are because they are not who they say they are my 8-year-old daughter has just walked into the room hi Go get yourself some breakfast and be quiet because I'm making a recording, okay? Okay. Love you. Love you. Okay. Let's see here. The Apostle James E. Talmadge, he's the one who wrote Jesus the Christ, which was a really good book. I've probably read it 14, 15 times, but there's some lies in that book that have surmounted false doctrine into the into the restoration uh, especially mostly of the Brighamite branch but anyway the apostle James E Talmadge also accepted the idea that Christ was the creator quote as heretofore shown in another connection the father operated in the work of creation through the son who thus became the executive through whom the will commandment or word of the father was put into effect the part taken by jesus christ in the creation a part so prominent as to justify our calling him the creator is set forth in many scriptures jesus the christ page 33 you know what else is on page 33 that's pretty interesting the fact that james e talmadge basically tells the Mormons, Jesus is not his 
his name. That's that's a transliteration of his name. His name, well, in his uh, in mortality was Yeshua. It says that right in Jesus the Christ, and he was an apostle. This is like the church, uh, one of the major books the church puts out for missionaries. And I showed it to my bishop when I was in in the singles ward one time, and uh, he says, uh, "I don't care what he says," because I just showed it. That's interesting. I don't care what he says. The the president of the church says his name is Jesus Christ, and I was like, "There's not even a J in the Hebrew alphabet." Like it went through transliterations. In fact, the 1611 King James version of the Bible originally said his name was Jesus. There was no J invented even at that time. His name couldn't have been Jesus with a J. And he, he uh, the bishop was like, I don't care what he says. I don't care what anybody says. The, the prophet of the church has declared that his name is Jesus. And I'm like, oh my gosh, whatever. I dropped it at that point because... You know, you can't deal with ignorance, especially when ignorance has any kind of authority, as they suppose. Which Jesus Christ found out pretty pretty harshly with the ignorant authority of his day. Oh, and there are parallels. When when in the in the uh in the resurrection in the millennium, you're gonna look back at this day and you're gonna be like, Holy crap, the parallels are so interesting are so interesting because there are tons of parallels between the leadership of our modern day restoration and the leadership of the Jews that Jesus Christ had to deal with. It's, uh, it's interesting. Anyway, Joseph Fielding Smith was of the same opinion. We are informed that there are many earths or worlds which have been created. And that's true. And were created by the Son for the Father. That's false. The Son does not create an earth. Other than, maybe you can look at it like, okay, Jehovah is the father of Michael. Michael is the son of of. Jehovah, Michael, under the direction of the Father, created an earth, organized a world, put the plants here. He named the animals. He named the plants. He organized this world for habitation. He was also a Christ, but was the so was the Father. Do you see how easily this gets confused among the minds of people who do not get inspiration? They had a whole bunch of information from Joseph Smith who revealed it to them. They were in an accepted church. They had a lot of things happen. And then, section 124, the revelation of January 18th, 1841 comes out. Jesus tells them, if you're not obedient and doing what I say and building the temple whereby the Most High can come dwell therein, you will be rejected as a church with your dead. Lyman White records Joseph Smith saying in 1843, we are rejected. 
Joseph Smith is taken from the scene with the patriarch, his brother Hiram Smith, in June of 44. And there's this secession crisis and nobody knows what to do. And that didn't just, it wasn't just like a weekend at Bernie's. It was something that happened for quite a while. And Brigham Young slaps his knee and he says, oh, I've got the, I've got the keys. I've got the keys. And then he comes up with the lie, I received the fullness of the priesthood in the red brick store. Joseph Smith himself gave it to me. And everybody's like, oh, oh, you must be the leader. Uh, there's the transfiguration that never was recorded in any book or journal until many years later. And in fact, some of the people, some of the, like Orson Pratt, they're like, oh, I saw it with my own eyes. And they weren't, they were on missions. They were on missions somewhere else, but somehow they saw it with their own eyes. Jesus Christ said that the Father had to come to a temple which had been built for him to restore the fullness of the priesthood himself. Meaning, if Joseph had it and he did not, he couldn't give it to Brigham Young, period. The temple was never finished. Get that through your thick head. The temple was never finished. Jesus Christ did not come to that temple. The Father did not come to that temple. No heavenly angel ever came to that temple before Joseph Smith was murdered, or after Joseph Smith was murdered. In order for Joseph Smith to give the fullness of the priesthood to Brigham Young, the temple would have had to have been finished and the father would have had to have given the fullness of the priesthood to, to Joseph Smith. And then... If if things were the way Brigham wants you to believe they are, he would have had to have gotten it from Joseph Smith. But guess what? The fullness of the priesthood is not just the Melchizedek priesthood. In order to come into the presence of the Father, you have to have had the first order of the Melchizedek priesthood to even be in his presence, which means they still had that. Because Jesus said the Father had to restore this fullness of the priesthood. I get so sick of people like Denver Snuffer and others, Phil Davis, and all the people who have who believe this false doctrine that somehow the the Melchizedek priesthood was taken off the earth. Because why? Because there's a revelation that says so. I haven't found one because it doesn't exist. It's still on the earth. It's been on the earth since the days of Joseph Smith. But the temple was never finished. And you know what? Joseph Smith never did get the fullness. What is the fullness? In order to obtain the fullness, you must first have received it from a man. Man to man. So Peter, James, and John gave it to Joseph Smith and Oliver, Oliver Cowdery, I think. Maybe it was Martin Harris. I can't remember. I know Joseph was there, though. And they proceed to give it to other people within the Restoration. 
So all these people have the all these people have the the first level of the Melchizedek priesthood, but God wants to give them the fullness. And a, t- a temple, a temple had to be required to be built for the Father to come down to, to give the fullness of the priesthood to those who had had the first order of the Melchizedek priesthood already given to them. And Jesus says in section 124, or the January 18th, 1841 revelation. If you don't do these things, all this bad stuff's going to happen and you will be rejected as a church with your dead and you will be cursed to the third and fourth generation, which is up to 160 years. That's what happened. Brigham Young lied. There was no transfiguration. He was a better a better salesman, basically. Now my other daughter, the ten year old, the one who says meep, I think she watched too much uh, Looney Tunes. They don't. Oh, I guess they do say meep. Meep beep. I was thinking the the knights who say meep, uh, the Holy Grail, Monty Python. The knights who say meep. Okay, 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 okay. I'm trying to read this. Anyway, let's see here. So anyway, in this false doctrine here, Joseph Fielding Smith says, we are informed that there are many earths or worlds which have been created and were created by the father for the son this was of course before he was born a babe in bethlehem doctrines of salvation volume 2 page 247 you know what i'm going to do a second part to this because these shouldn't be longer than two hours long and we're at two hours now so um we still have 62% for uh, for this chapter. And I'm sorry, it's because I'm, I'm going off on these little things that I do. I actually should probably just cut these down to one hour apiece. Because people would listen to these in their commute if they were shorter. But I'm, I'm long-winded, and this is long-format uh, podcasts. So anyway, I'm, we're going to leave it at that, and uh, I'm going to uh, re- I'm resume on a part two for this chapter. And uh, thank you for listening. Take care, everyone. God bless, and goodbye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.